11th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Prayer, Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord is God. It is he that made us, and we are his. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. For the Lord is God, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Reading the Word First reading Exodus 19 The Israelites had journeyed from Rephidim, entered the wilderness of Sinai, and camped in the wilderness. Israel camped there in front of the mountain. Then Moses went up to God. The Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the Israelites, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings, and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you obey my voice, and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession out of all the peoples. Indeed, the whole earth is mine, but you shall be for me a priestly kingdom and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the Israelites. Second reading, Romans chapter 5. While we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely with anyone die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person, someone might actually dare to die. But God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more surely then, now that we have been justified by his blood, will we be saved through him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, much more surely, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life. But more than that, we even boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Gospel Matthew chapter 9 When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest 
to send out laborers into his harvest. Then Jesus summoned his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and cure every disease and every sickness. These are the names of the twelve apostles. First Simon, also known as Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, proclaim the good news. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You received without payment. Give without payment. Hearing the word. Fashioning God's nation. Readings for this Sunday concentrates on the theme of the emergency of a new people, a new covenant, which God freshened as his own nation. The first reading discusses an essential stage of the making of the Sinai covenant, which was a crucial step in Israel's history. Before this covenant, the Israelites were just a group of slaves fleeing from Egypt and the genocide they faced there. They were not a nation, but an ethnic group, the house of Jacob or Hebrews, without a land or a clear sense of identity. God intervened in their history, saving them from annihilation and bringing them to Mount Sinai, where they would encounter their Savior. Once there, their leader Moses up once there their leader Moses went up the mountain to encounter this mysterious God and to deliver God's word to the people, a message of the covenant that would transform a group of slaves into a nation. First, God reminded the people how he single handedly delivered them from the Egyptians and brought them to the safety of his presence. He was a God determined to save and protect, and to hold those people as his own. The whole earth belonged to him, and yet he chose the Hebrews over any other of the earth's many tribes and nations as an object of his particular care and attention. Next, God outlined the terms of the covenant. If the people chose to bind themselves to God, 
Their obligation will be to obey his voice and to keep his covenant. This will be achieved by observance of the covenantal law spelled out as detailed commandments and instructions known as the law. Upholding this law meant obeying God's voice and staying in the covenant. For God, the covenantal obligation was to hold those people as his treasured possession, which he beautifully summarized in the phrase, You shall be my people, and I will be your God. God thus committed himself to be present with his people, to surround them with blessings, protection, and prosperity. For Israel to maintain the covenant meant life. Entering into the covenant will endow the people with a new unique identity. First, they would become a kingdom of priests. Priests are chosen for an exclusive service to God to represent and mediate between God and the world. Thus, mediating God's presence to the world and serving God in an unparalleled way becomes the purpose and the reason for Israel's existence, its mission in the world. Furthermore, they are to become a holy nation. Holiness signifies God's distinctiveness from his creation, his immense grandeur and unique identity. Being holy means that Israel will be by their belief in and adherence to the supreme one God be unique and different in the world. God's people are to be different in a world as God is different from the world. They are to be an image of the invisible and eternal God in the present material world. The Sinai Covenant was a nation-making event. God transformed a tribe of his choice into a priestly and holy nation whose identity was founded on the covenant and defined by the covenant law. The salvific work of Christ brought a great change in the identity and character of God's people. In Romans chapter 5, verses 1 to 11, Paul identifies three cornerstones of this new identity, referring to them as boasts, boast in the hope of sharing God's glory, in suffering and in God. Today's reading concentrates on the last of them, exploring its profound meaning and significance. Boast in God is grounded in the death of Christ for the sake of humankind. Paul stresses that Christ's actions were utterly undeserved and completely unmerited by the sinful and ungodly human race. They resulted from God's love for a fallen humanity and expressed God's unbounded grace. Christ's sacrifice on the cross, a sacrifice of atonement, had three key effects. First, it enabled sinners to become righteous or justified. That is, 
to enter into the right relationship with God. Second, Christ's death reconciled people to God. Reconciliation implies a fundamental change in a relationship from alienation and hostility to fellowship and harmony. Prior to Christ, the divine human relationship was severely disrupted by sin, leading to the alienation of people from God. On the cross, Christ brought down the barriers of sin and alienation, reconciling people to God and restoring peace. Finally, Christ's death and resurrection brought salvation. For Paul, salvation still lies in the future as it consists in a complete restoration of humanity and creation through the resurrection from the dead and union with God in the heavenly world. These three profound effects of Christ's self-sacrifice redefined the relationship between God and the faithful and fundamentally altered the nature of God's people as a community. With Christ, nothing has changed and everything has changed. What remained constant is God's love for the people and his desire to make them his own nation expressed by sending his son as the savior. What changed is the method of making this come true. Before Christ, God's nation was founded on the Sinai covenant and the law. Now God's people are constituted through their union with Christ, with their identity and guide for life founded on faith in Him. The Gospel reading introduces Jesus' missionary discourse, which provides guidelines for the mission of His disciples. A moving picture of harassed, abandoned, and leaderless crowd provides a starting point for it. Ezekiel 34, verse 30. These are people in need of guidance, protection, and restoration. Jesus comments on this situation, referring to the approaching harvest and the scarcity of laborers. People are ready to be gathered to their God, but their few who can lead them there? Jesus asked the disciples to pray that God would provide laborers for his harvest. But then, as if responding to this prayer, he selected twelve of his numerous disciples as apostles, that is, the sent ones. Jesus sent them to the lost sheep of Israel the Jewish community would be their first missionary field. Later, their mission would extend to all nations. Matthew 28, verse 19. This two-stage mission highlights the continuity 
between Israel, the first chosen as God's nation, and the new people of God, who would emerge through Christ's mission and the future work of his disciples. The disciples were commanded to proclaim the good news of the coming of God's kingdom and to perform signs to confirm his presence, to cure the sick, to raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, and to cast out demons. These miraculous deeds show that good is overcoming evil and its effects in the world. These are exactly the same deeds that Christ had been performing. The work of the disciples will be a continuation of Jesus' own mission. Their work is to be completely gracious, a practice which highlights God's unmerited grace underlying the coming of his kingdom. By sending his apostles to the lost and leaderless Israelites with a message and demonstration of the kingdom, Jesus had taken the first step towards the creation of a new community of God's people, God's nation. These new people of God would be founded on Jesus, his sacrifice and his teaching. Thus, God's Son was sent into the world as the divine nation-maker. Today's readings emphasize God's own decision and initiative to form the people who would be his own. He first founded the nation of Israel by entering into a covenant with former slaves and giving them the law. God reconstituted his nation by Christ's self-sacrifice for a sinful and godless humanity. A new people founded on righteousness, reconciliation, and salvation. Jesus initiated this new community by sending his disciples with a message and the power of the kingdom first to the people of Israel and subsequently to all nations. Divine grace, working through Jesus, brought God's nation, Christianity, into existence. These are the people who, with the psalmist, sing, know that the Lord is God, it is he that made us and we are his, we are his people. Listening to the word of God. The longing to belong is innate, and it is in everyone. Consciously or unconsciously, we all search for a community where we can blossom and be the best version of ourselves. Unfortunately, in this search, some end up in messy situation and unhealthy alliances. When God invites us to enter into an alliance with him, 
it is a divine response to a fundamental drive in human nature. God created us and he longs to gather us into one flock, a priestly kingdom and a holy nation. According to available statistics, Christians worldwide number over 2 billion. That makes Christendom bigger and larger than any nation in the world. From this perspective, we can say Christ's mission of gathering God's people and fashioning a nation has largely been successful. However, moving beyond quantity and focusing on quality, there is still a lot of work to be done. There are many followers of Christ in name, but not in reality. There are some who have their names in church registers, but may not necessarily have their names in the book of life. Love is the identity card of God's kingdom. Without it, we cannot pride ourselves on being members of God's nation. True Christians are known not by the denomination they belong to, but by their Christ-like character. It is said, a crab does not give birth to a bird. If we belong to Christ, we must have the nature of Christ. The inner movement in Jesus, expressed by the word compassion, in our gospel text, is the distinguishing feature of the nation that God fashions. A deep love and concern for one another leads to sacrifices. Jesus was the first to offer the sacrifice on our behalf and thereby set an example for all of us. It was compassion that moved him to cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, and cast out demons. His choice to die for the ungodly was compassion in action. In exhorting the apostles, you received without payment, give without payment. He wanted to perpetuate the ministry of compassion, the perfect way by which we can contribute towards fashioning God's nation is to love intentionally. A character that exudes love attracts. It would mean choosing not to stand aloof when others are struggling and drowning, helpless in the face of life's adversities. It entails coming to the aid of those desperate for a helping hand. There is ample space for everyone in God's nation. Someone took the risk to lead us to Christ. We too must be willing to take the risk to continue this mission. It starts from our homes making the presence of Christ felt among those we interact with on a daily basis. 
we must lift the flag of the nation of God high wherever we find ourselves. Our faith must be evident to all. A crab does not give birth to a bird. Action Self-examination What are the signs in my life that show that I belong to the nation of God? Is my life characterized by righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit? How are they expressed? Response to God I turn to God with a heart of gratitude and thank Him for conferring on me citizenship in His nation. I thank Him for giving me free access into His presence on a daily basis. Response to your world As a citizen of God's nation, I will think about a way to show outwardly that I belong to it and enact it. Conscious of the fact that there are many people who are hurting inside and longing for a state of repose, we choose to proclaim the kingdom of heaven to as many people as possible. We do this first and foremost by our own joyful disposition and also by words of compassion. Eternal Father, your love for us is immense and your gift of salvation is real. We thank you for opening the door of your kingdom to us and for making us citizens of your nation. We surrender fully to you and we pray that you would make us useful citizens of your kingdom. For the sake of Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen.